0: Good morning and welcome back to Talk Clarity. I'm your host, Coach Clarity. We'll continue on with segment three with Haley, the therapist from Trauma Agility on the neuroscience with trauma. about what's happening here is it's when the brain got unplugged and it tried to plug itself back in, it goes in and re, reprograms it.
1: Yep. Rewires. Rewires.
0: So is it rewiring it back to the original brain or are we seeing a a different transformation here?
1: So I would say it's a different transformation. The brain can sustain injuries just like any part of your body can. So let's say that you have a knee um, injury. So what do you do for that knee injury and physical therapy? Do you work out the injured portion or do you build networks around that muscle that is injured? You build around that muscle, right? right. And so you still have the injured part, but you're building these new in your brain, like neural connections and these new neural pathways that allow you to kind of like bypass the injury and what they're finding now that I thought was really interesting too. And, you know, I'm a, a nerd, <laughs> I'm a brain science nerd, um, is that these neural pathways, they thought that like, once you like lose your brain cells, you lose them, right. They're, they they can not grow back, but they found that these neural pathways that haven't been used
0: for a while, they start to fall off. Really? What do you mean by fall? No, wait, Back yeah. up there for a minute. Yeah. Neuropathways, pathways? You're kidding me. So neural pathways can fall off your brain?
1: Well, yeah. Like so, if a neural pathway is a train of thought, and let's look at it as a train, right? Okay. And I like just look at it like a boat down a river. So a neural pathway is your river, right? So let's say that you're on a river, and there's a big bend over here, and then there's a fork in the river, and then there is a little river over here. Where do you, does your boat want to go? Down the big river or the little river? Little big river,
0: right? big river. Okay,
1: big river because water likes to travel in the least resistance, right? And oh, in, the, in, the, in the path of least resistance, electricity does the same. Your brain has electricity in you, so neural pathways that fire electricity they wire together, so they want to go back down the big river. So, what this means, like in, in layman terms, is if you do something over and over and over again, or something happens to create a bigger neural pathway, it starts to become the main path. Now to change that, it starts with a little river, a little branch. And that's why it's so hard to change habits is because you want to go down into your old habits, but you're now going down a new path, a new direction. And as, as long as you stay the course and go down that new direction, that river becomes wider. And if the water wants to go into the wider river now, then it'll dry up from its previous path. And so that's what your brain neurons do. It dries up and then it no longer becomes the, the main pathway. And then it breaks off and just gets disintegrated into your brain.
0: Wow. That's so fascinating. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you for going into that with us. Mm. I learned something new today. (laughs) 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 Okay, So um, getting into statistics again, and I feel like it's so important to get into just to look at that picture out of three or three out of four reported by the CDC. Um, Do you know, in fact, um, what the statistics in children are that are abused by either a caregiver or a parent? What are the statistics or or what have you seen or what do you understand or know of them to, you know, form these relationships or reform these relationships through adolescence or or to go back to, to this parent, to this toxic environment, even based off of, you know, some memories. um, What's involved there.
1: So we're talking about your phone response, Right. We're talking about safety at this point. So if someone goes back to their abuser or if you can't leave your abuser like kids, you can't escape your parents, right? So you're in that toxic environment. So what are you going to do? You're going to look for safety elsewhere. That's why they bond with peer groups, right? And if you find, if you look in a high school and I, I noticed this in my high school too, like when I started to have real issues. My peer groups became the quote unquote like broken kids, right? The emo kids, the emotional, like dark, brooding type, you know? But those were my family because they understood my pain, right? So we'll look for safety within relationships, attachments, whether or not they're unhealthy or not. We're going to try because we have to survive, right? So when kids, have abusive parents and they can't escape. They're going to find other ways to escape. So they're either going to fight, flight, freeze, or they're going to start to become caretakers. And I think this is where I find this the most is that kids often become caretakers, especially from narcissistic parents or borderline personality parents, like cluster B parents. They start to learn that it's either you caretake for them and appease their every move or there's got to be consequences. So when they get to adulthood, who did they seek out? Right. 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 So they find abusers. They find abusers because that is what they were taught and conditioned to do. The good news though, is that whatever can be taught can be untaught. And so it's just finding that safety. So it's almost like they have ropes, right? And they have like these anchors and you have to be anchored to something. Otherwise you feel so alone. And for, for those of us who have felt that loneliness, that emptiness, like that is such a scare. It's death. So if we, if we're talking about frequencies, frequencies are real, right? They're, they're everywhere. Death is a frequency of zero. Shame is a frequency of 20. Love is a frequency of like a thousand. Wow. So, shame and guilt, which is something that narcissism, like these cluster B personalities, like to instill in others because that's what they feel. So, if you are constantly at a 20 vibe frequency, close to death, yeah, you're not going to grow.
0: And so, these are, but these are, but these are of developing. Of. These are developing. I mean, we're talking about three out of four children that are, you know, experience abuse from either a parent or a caregiver by the ages of two to four. That's 75% of kids. So if if this is happening and you're developing um, these different disorders, Mm -hmm. personality disorders.
1: Dr. Dr. Sean Horn, um, she's a psychologist and just amazing on shame. And she's like, I mean, Brene Brown and her like the best at shame. Um, but she said like, I find that shame is really confusing topic for people. They don't know what it is or what it looks like. And we talk about toxic shame with other words, like people pleasing, perfectionism, low self-esteem, social phobia, performance anxiety, inner critic, self-sabotage, eating disorders, addiction, but all of those are shame. All of those are learned behaviors. And so when we're talking about the four Fs, all of those have to deal with shame, which is something that we develop from pain. So you get rid of the shame, then you get rid of the pain.
0: Wow you know, really just plugging yourself into to resources that's going to allow you those opportunities. I think most people don't know who to seek out. Um, there's a stigmatism, I'm sorry to say, that comes with, with therapists, where they mm-hmm. can do more damage than good. Um, you know, on that We're note, where do,
1: that are like that.
0: Well, so where do people go to find a good therapist? How do you identify somebody that's going to be able to help you work through something as minimal as shame?
1: psychologytoday.com is a really good resource that I use. I don't, I'm not affiliated with them. Um, but I, I love it because you can see the the therapist profiles and you can see their pictures. Some of them even have videos up on there, like talking. So you kind of get a, a feel for, you know, what it would be like to, to talk with them. And you can filter it by your insurance. You can filter it by um, the issues that you might be having, like relational trauma, like, all different kinds they've they've got several on there and then you can filter it by your zip code and you can even filter it now i love this that um, a lot of them offer virtual appointments now too so you don't even have to leave your home to do this
0: so those struggling with extreme trauma and that don't want to leave their home don't want to go anywhere they're able to tap into this from their own home yeah using their own insurance yeah well, you look at, you know, just as of recent, we just, I mean, we just went through a pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, people weren't sure if they were going to live. People weren't sure who was going to survive. And we're talking about children and adults. So at The the entire world has gone through trauma. Yes. It's now become higher than three out of four this, yes. last, this last year or so. Yeah. So I think having those resources and all, and all, um, attach the information that that you provided on that? Are there any other resources that people could tap into?
1: What I would say, um, kind of, I I mean, you could always reach out to your your insurance company. They've got a panel of providers, but that doesn't really give you like a whole lot of, um, you know, insight into who these people are and what they do so I would look at their website so I would look at your insurance and then look at the provider and then look at their website and then see what they do see what types of modalities that they work through and I would even call them and be like hey I've got this issue like what can you do for me and it's up to them to really describe to you what they do and how they can help you right and if they can't help you a good therapist would refer you to and I mean we got a huge network of of therapists um, they would refer you to a a therapist that could help you. But I think that's an issue that I think at, as a field, we need to really grow is like, how do we put ourselves out there? How do we get trauma informed for one? Right? There's not a whole lot of trauma informed therapists out there. And I feel like there's a huge push for that now in the field. Um so you know if you're a therapist listening to this, like get with the American Counseling Social, So, oh, the ACA, the American Counseling Association, get with your APA. Um, like figure out like how you can like there's a whole bunch of trainings out there that are super cheap that you can really just hack into what trauma is and you almost and it's almost Interesting too, like this field is going towards science so much that it's it's almost like you have to have interdisciplinary teams really come into play, right? Your doctors, your psychiatrists, your massage therapists like get some um, like sensory deprivation tanks going on, like like somatic healing, like this is
0: just, we need it all. Absolutely. I appreciate you sharing some of the resources that, you know, the community is going to be able to tap into. I know I've, I've spoken with people that are going, you know, I don't, I don't know how to find a good therapist. I don't even know where to begin or where to go. And I'm trying to get into an area that I just don't know if I know how to even ask the right questions because, you know, you, you have children, 75% that are abused by a parent or caregiver, according to the CDC. And you take those numbers and those statistics you know, and as, and as time evolves and, you know you, you know, you get this child some help, you try to heal, you try to help them grow, adolescence hits, change starts to hit within their brain. Um, you know, you'll start, you'll start to see some, you know, things as a parent that you're, you don't know how to navigate. And I think really what I want to get into is how does a parent or a caregiver that's involved with a child that has been through trauma, how do they help them navigate things through adolescence and what types of behaviors and things are they going to see and what are are the effects in the community?
1: I think you touched on a really important point. Okay, so if, and this is where we as a community really have to come together and we really have to like raise awareness just like we're doing on this podcast, like with this stuff is we need eyes on deck at schools, school counselors, right? We need eyes on deck, like know who your kids are hanging out with. Don't just allow them to go over to some, you know, parent's house and, and you don't know them, like get to know who your kids know, right? And I think that, um, you know, healthy community members that who aren't abusing our kids and, and there's a bunch of us out there, right? We're not abusing our kids, but we can help like keep eyes out. So if you see something, say something. Right. And I think that's really important, especially because kids have and, you know, Dr. Phil says this all the time, is that kids like have this innate ability to just take on everything as their fault. They're broken. They're wrong. They're unlovable. Like, and that's so far from the truth. Right. And it's based on their caregiver's ability to connect and to have that relationship and their own trauma. And so we can't heal the entire world, right? But I think it starts with us. What are we doing in order to um, keep ourselves healthy? What are we doing in order to keep our communities healthy? And what are we doing? Like if we see a kid who needs help, are we ignoring them or are we asking questions? Are we trying to, you know, to get them help?
0: In what ways can you know individuals and human beings when they identify this? In what ways can they get them help?
1: So, nine one one is always a resource, right? Um, If you feel like the child is in imminent danger, you can always call call nine one one. You can call your local police station, um, in the non emergency number, and say like, "Hey, I have a suspicion." You can talk to a therapist about it. We're mandated reporters. And so if we, you know, suspect something's going on, then we're going to investigate it further. Um, you can talk to the parents and get a feel for what's going on at their home. If you suspect something going on, like try and, and get involved that way. Um, but the problem is there's a lot of people out there that just don't want you in their business. Right. And right. so I, I think creating a, a, and here's how I do it. Right. So there's, we communicate as humans, mostly non-verbally. So it's not what we say, it's how we say it and how we speak it through our body. So if you have a non-verbal presence, a vibe people say, or like a, you know, a spirit about you an aura, um, that says I'm warm, I'm inviting. You can come talk to me. Like I know you have a very specific vibe like that where it's just like come talk to me about anything, right? And you create that warm supportive environment, people will come to you naturally. Okay,
0: so, I appreciate that. Um, you know, taking a look.
1: One, there's no an easy answer, sorry for that. What? There's There's not an easy answer for that, you know? I wish that there was. I wish that we could just like wave a magic wand and it'd all be gone. But I mean, we're facing some real issues here.
0: Well, and it's, it's everywhere now. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, you know, it breaks, you know, my heart as a parent, um, the reality that our kids are living in. Yeah. I want to dive into adolescence now because hot topic, right? Um, Mm. wow. (laughs) Teenagers, adolescents, junior high, high school kids. um, Eight-year-olds
1: are having sex in (sighs) their schools. Fourteen-year-olds are selling meth. And this is just in Utah. Like, and it's a problem. It's a problem.
0: Well, with adolescents, you're talking, you know, almost every child that, you know, has been through some form of abuse. So um, you're going to see... You know, as you, you know, talked previously about, you know, the, the brain changing. So mm-hmm. let's talk about those neural pathways that you were talking about, the brain changing. Um, and, you know, hormones, friends, peer pressure, what what are we going to start seeing in these um, these junior high, high school kids, what are, what are we going to start seeing those that have been through trauma? And again, we're talking about 75% or more. What are we going to start seeing uh, behaviors? You know, what are we going to, when are we going to get into? What are some things that we can identify? Because I think oftentimes, you know, you have that parent that goes, oh, my kid's perfect. Well, they are. <laughs> and they were so, like just so perfect. And they're a good kid. But there's outside influences that affect them. There's trauma that, you know, maybe be unresolved that's affecting these kids. And you've got a good kid. And society is just putting so much pressure and, and, and weight, and I believe social media as well. So, but I really want to dive into adolescence and how to navigate that as a parent, as a school resource officer, as a guardian ad litem in a courtroom that's going, I want to emancipate my parents. I don't like what my parents do. And I want to date this guy, or I want to hang out with my friends and stay out later. I should have no rules. I should have no boundaries because those are the, you know, a lot of the behaviors that you'll see in, in teenagers. So let's dive into that a little bit more. And I'm going to let you lead the floor with that.
1: Oh, a couple things come to my mind. Lack of discipline. For one (laughs) and effective discipline. Right. And I'm not talking wall-to-wall counseling. I'm not talking switches, but I'm, I'm don't ignore your kids. Right. Um, and that's what they're seeking. Like I have a family member and I won't dive into too much detail on this, but I have a family member who is really struggling with their, their teenage kid right now. And he, you know, Here's my belief. I'll just start with this, right? Like, here's my belief: all kids are inherently good. All people are inherently good. We were not born evil. We're not born broken. We're not born like with these like these narcissistic tendencies and the and these these reactive, you know, emotional reactivity. Love that word, emotional reactivity. Um, we weren't born with this already like programmed into us. So it was learned somewhere. Right. So if we look at the red flags of things of like if they are normally outgoing and they start to be isolating, if they start to say one word answers and they're normally really talkative it, and you'll see these subtle behavior changes. It doesn't happen overnight and you'll see it like right after the trauma happens. So if something happens, something happens at school to like head their, hang their head down low or whatever. And unless you open up that conversation with them of, of that communication, they're not going to tell you unless they like really trust you because of that shame, right? Of, Of that guilt of like, why can't I figure this out? And with hormones on top of that, like they already don't know what they feel. And it feels like chaos within them. Like if you, if you look back and think back to when you were a teenager and what you felt and those mood swings, oh my goodness, like <laughs> it was like a tornado inside of you, right? And so just...
0: hard to navigate and juggle and so confusing. And...
1: and girls are mean. Girls are mean. Girls are
0: mean.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in middle school, oh my goodness, like you're having so many changes. You're having so many questions. And I think um, in Utah in particular, like growing up there and seeing like and and being on the other side of it now as an adult, like we don't really talk about a whole lot of things regarding around sex, right? Any sexual changes, any type of like puberty changes. I remember the first time um, I learned about it was in a maturation program. And I was like horrified (laughs) because they were showing me pictures. And I had like no buffer whatsoever. It's like, this is an STD. This is what it looks like. This is, And I remember like being sick, physically sick. And I had to leave health class because of it. And so like, I'm, I'm not the only one that feels this way. I, I get clients in all the time that that are just like, even young adults there. It's like, man, my parents never had these conversations with me. Like I started my period, I started bleeding all over my chair. And like, I thought I was, bleeding out and dying you know and so I think the more that we talk about being human and these mood fluctuations and these hormonal changes with our kids I think the less um, you know knowledge is power knowledge is power and you use power in order to grow and it's a positive energy and it's a chance for you to bond with your kids too and have these conversations and build that trust and build that safety with them to talk about these things and so when you're, you're dealing with these fluctuations and these, like, teenage angst years, I mean, it's hard. It's hard. I've, I've got one, too. Like, it is so difficult when you're trying to get the kids out and trying to get them, like, to have fun at a pool and your teenager is just sitting there and it's like, I am so tired. Like, no, I don't want to go. The, the pool's too cold or it's too early or it's too, like, but what's he really trying to say? at that point, right? I'm feeling something in my body. And, you know, by by pushing that agenda of like, well, you're just going to stay here and you're just going to, you know, suffer the consequences or whatever, you know, like the way that you know, some parents talk to their kids these days, it's just rough like I think The times that I I laugh the most is when parents come in to sessions with their kids and then they're like, I'm only here so you can fix them. I look at them and I'm like, Uh. oh, really? Let's start with you. Let's start with you. Uh, Because that's where the majority of the, the issues lie. And I think, too, that there are, I mean, it's not one size fits all. You know, approach to this. I think that there are parents out there that are phenomenal parents, and you can do everything right and you can do everything in your power to just, you know, help your child grow and mature, but then something still happens, you know, and that's up to the child. They're their own person, they're their own independent, and they have social influences they have other parental influences they have societal influences you look at these celebrities and they're stick figures and so these females that are growing up they're like oh i, I have bad body image issues because this is what i'm supposed to look like and that's all of that that i just described shame it, it surrounds shame and so the antidote for shame is disclosure So the more that we talk about it, the less shame holds power and the more that you can just feel safe, because if you feel shame, you don't feel safe to do anything. And if you don't feel safe, you don't grow. Wow.